Episode 5 with Rack Razam. Hello, brother. Thank you, brother Atlas. Five times, huh? Five times. Yeah, finally. Yeah, Logos One and Atlas meet in the Samadhi Mesh Network. <laughs> Let's just get all, all the buzzwords up front. Yeah, all right. Okay, cut to the chase. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the Way Home is the episode title to our fifth show. And what exactly does that mean? The way home, <laughs> is that simply the turn inward mm. and uniting with this kingdom of divinity that we already are? It's whatever you want it to be, really. <laughs> but, but frankly, when we were trying to encapsulate you know, a label for where this conversation might go. I mean, has anyone just noticed how fucking freaky the world has become, right? Like there seems to be quite a lot of natural and maybe social and even things beyond those realms, like um, plays in motion and responses and things are evolving really rapidly. And on one hand, it's looking like there could be the complete annihilation of life on Earth as we know it, imminently through rapid runaway global warming and climate change, which is in the, the headlines everywhere, but everyone's still just looking at them as discrete, once in a century, unprecedented. They're using language as a cultural dissonance technique to stay at the level of uh, denial, where we've got the five stages of grief we're going through as a species right now, because this rapid um, exponential change is runaway right the planet and then you've got COVID. then you've got the social the surveillance culture the the dystopian you know ai mediated um computer human business relationship with life which is to extract all resources and like you know create like this hive mind caste system of consumers as capitalism is going down like things are rapidly hitting the fan and so perhaps there needs to be some hope, right? There needs to be some pathway, some potential that we can not deny things are rapidly changing. We can go through the processes of like, you know, grief and rage and acceptance and we can deal with the cards on the table. And there has to be a way home, a way to feel safe, a way to feel connected, a way to feel um, in relationship with the events that are unfolding so they're not happening to us, but we're a participant in a process which is perhaps part of the evolutionary cycle and that as everything seems to be disintegrating, perhaps there is a literal as well as sort of metaphoric rebirth on the horizon. And that, my friend, is episode five, The Way Home. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, pick it up. Pick it up from anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, I like the contrasting that you told in the story there, because the juxtaposition makes it so that people can more easily feel what is 
home what is participatory, what is shared equity, what is maximizing human potential, what is enabling everyone to actualize their gifts versus the contrasting to that is something that looks very extractive and it looks like only a handful of people are running away with everything and it feels like it's not in harmony with the natural intelligence of the planet and especially as we build all of our technologies especially artificial general intelligence to be rooted in that more abundant and prosperous and <clears throat> source aligned vision for the future yes yeah i like the contrasting so then people can see well, where to shift to break that down like the, the the thing is what we're actually talking about is this landscape right there's this new paradigm which is coming in which a lot of people are saying is actually the latest iteration of a very old archaic revival of this idea that there are natural rhythms and ways to live in alignment with the earth and the energies coming through we've been out of out of you know balance with that but the reason i think why people um are having trouble or haven't even seen that there is an issue it's of the level of narrative so you may have noticed that basically there's a polarity in the world which is uh just the intensity of that polarity is going off the scale at the moment there's this bifurcation of the ideology of what it means to be human and the way we're we're choosing to live whether that's under contraction or expansion and the, those two things are happening and they're both happening at the same time because they're both responses to something bigger which is happening in reality in the earth in this this unprecedented change so there's systems embedded within systems within systems and the traditional early 21st century narrative really inheriting the 20th century is still this mechanized world that we are conquering as we're going forth into the rest of space or you know so this this centralization of hierarchy of empire extracting from the periphery to the to the center and there's this centralization of resources and of wealth and maybe of knowledge wisdom data on an individual level and a cultural level capitalism has been this fulcrum and this like um, transformer to through an ism through the story to extract resources from the planet the mother which is another story so ultimately this is a narrative battle and story and all these other mediums have been colonized and weaponized and now information is being weaponized so within our you know internet social media networks and things there's this cancel culture this division this polarity there's a social repercussion on this level in the the hive mind of humanity uh, to the changes which are happening, to the pressure which we're all feeling, right? And so the Earth is feeling the pressure on the bio on that biological level, the social level. There's this fragmentation, polarization, opposition. There's something happening that we're all going through and responding: contraction or expansion. Mm -hmm. So the contraction people believe in authority, centralized authority, and that there are powers that be that will save us. Whether that's our leaders, the hierarchy, the empire, the CEOs. You know the billionaire class who are going off to mars or conquering the human genome or whatever um, but it's always externalizing the responsibility of the spiritual path and of realizing what you're in the ultimate narrative right to someone else and then the expansion side of the equation is actually exploring these questions like who am i what am i how do I plug into the whole big story? What is it all about? Is consciousness broadcasting the answers to that? Are you tuning into that? So there's this vehicle 
which is the evolution of, let's say, the planet soul, right? Mm -hmm. And half of it is the brakes and half of it's the accelerator. So it's all natural, but there's something that's gone boom, next level in in the reality grid lately. And we're seeing it on the social level, we're seeing it on the environmental level, but it's happening at deeper levels as well. Yep, cool. I like the visualization for people of their happening on a biological environmental level, a polarization between what is this aligned harmony with the planet versus what looks like the landfills and environmental disasters. And then on the social level, it's very clear all you have to do is log into Twitter for a moment and you can see the insanity of the polarization and the not treating people that think differently than you like they're even human. And then you have this metaphysical layer where you sort of see those two as a natural dialectic that has to happen. Mm. The, the contraction and the expansion are a natural metaphysical flux that has to take place in order for the cosmos to communicate to, with itself about the trajectory of the planet. Because, yeah. You know, in the, the ancient Kybalion, Ky, Ky, Yeah, Kybalion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hermetic texts and the, the ancient the laws, the, the law of polarity is that so you have, say, positive charge, negative charge, but in reality, it goes both ways and it's, it's a whole, right? It's like the law of polarity implies there's a next. So the chaos becomes order, and through the process of the conflict and the transmutation of that polarity, it gets to the next level. So that seems to be culturally what we're going through. Biologically, well, global warming has just gone runaway, and the, the world's leading Arctic scientists are warning we have between 18 months to four years left for life on Earth as we know it. Sounds like, like a Jor-El, Krypton is expl exploding type of headline. I know. Look into it. I mean, we're seeing these so-called, pretty obviously not discrete events in the world, like not just runaway bushfires. Or Remember when Texas froze over? Because the Arctic temperature in early June or mid-June was 30 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. In the Arctic. Like, it's like it's not refreezing the, the, the winter sea ice. The, the temperature is like warmer than most other parts of the planet. You know, this is like the Arctic is melting. And so the heat is actually perturbing the, the wind um, patterns and all the hot air is going out into, we're getting these heat domes over, you know, um, northern, northwestern uh, America uh, in Pacifica where, they, where they're like for Portland for like four or five days had like, what was it? It was like 116 degrees Fahrenheit. It was like unprecedented heat waves and heat domes sinking over. Like the, the tipping points have been reached. The methane is being released in the Laptev Sea in the Arctic at unprecedented rates. The albedo effect is not... They're saying the Amazon is now an emitter of carbon dioxide, not a carbon sink anymore. Each tipping point contributes and speeds up the ones before it. So the, the rate of change where we're at now, according to the leading Arctic scientists, is really like we've crossed the event horizon and it's all downhill from here. I believe there's things that we're going to have to do very, very soon. And that's number one, acknowledging this runaway climate change is directly threatening civilization as we know it. And, it, and it, these sound like huge claims, but there's no other way to describe it, knowing that the narrative 
worldview is basically where the battleground is now. And the, these type of statements are actually the truth, which are being disguised and being sort of like uh, titrated down into like 10 years off, 20 years off, or mitigated circumstances. It's like there's, 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 I think the powers that be are worried there's going to be a panic. But in fact, there needs to be a sort of like pull your socks up moment where it's like, okay, there's the ship's leaking. What are we going to do about it? There needs to be imminent social change <coughs> because the problem is imminent in our faces and it's going to continue to exponentially grow in a very short amount of time. So on that level, the shit's hitting the fan. And then I think we're seeing, you know, there's the virus and the COVID and the governmental response around the world, even without getting into the whole virus stuff. Just the, the idea of giving up, you know, um, centuries long civil liberties that have been fought for for human rights under the guise of the pandemic which has never been done before it's like you know quarantine the sick but not the 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 healthy but the the surveillance culture um vaccine passport social identity score the imf just said about two months ago maybe it'd be a good idea to link our our internet search histories to your vaccine passport which will be a real-time feed of if you've been not just quarantine, real going biometric temperature checks out in, you know, culture, cashless society, great reset, you will own no property, have no cash, universal basic income post collapse. This is what the world's leaders or the, the business leaders, their vision, the great reset, which they're, they're saying that it's coming in. It's like the computers have arrived, the AIs have arrived, the robots have arrived. The, the stock market is somehow artificially inflated in a way that seems to me in my total sci-fi, you know, like vectoring with this, it's like artificially inflated from some blockchain intelligence in the future because there's no other way. It's just completely out of control, the stock market in relation to the real world economy, which is collapsing everywhere. Like we're living in unprecedented times, but the change is here and the narrative control on making out it's not is crumbling, right? And it's like it's by facing the facts, we can move forward with where is the way home? Like what, what are we going to do? And this creates... Um, incredible opportunity because it's from the collapse of the old it's basically like we're addicted to civilization even though there's hierarchy there's an inequity there's like you know the top five billionaires own more than like the next six billion people combined or whatever you know random stat you'd like like the the crazy extremes of um ignorance of our true nature of the fact that you know say you've got eight billion people it's like all cells in the one meta organism in the in the one species of humankind it's like i am another you but to treat everyone on these separate divided un, unnourished unsupported like allowed to die off it's like where where is the the cohesion of our identity right so this separation identity it, we're addicted to it in civilization, but it has to die, right? And we're seeing this process of the breakdown of the old. So we, one of the cores is the separation identity has to die in order for us to go home. The well, way you, home. Yeah, you know my theory, and this, this is um, basically downloaded. I mean, basically, there's a lot of um, permeable states of ideation that psychedelics, when you drop the default mode network, can help you tune into. You could say the Akashic field, you could just say you're making it up, but there's as a writer and as a, as a narrative architect, right? I see the patterns. And so um, basically it came to me many years ago that it's like the, they say psychedelics are ego dissolving. It's like they're the antidote to history because history, his story, is basically the 12,000 plus years of 
verifiable, um, you know, paradigm condoned, agreed on uh, state of affairs, what happened chron chronologically. But from another perspective, it's like something happened before. There's always a before. Many cultures have, many indigenous cultures have world mythology maps they pass down like Australian Aborigines, understanding of cyclic time, like the dream time of states when we've been in uh, more alignment with the greater bandwidth of consciousness being broadcast, right? And so, you know, the Mayans say every 26,000 years, you go through a, our solar system, a grand orbit of our galaxy, and in that there's quadrants. And in those quadrants, Hunabku, the womb of the Great Mother, which is at the center of our galaxy, in 2002, NASA discovered a black hole there, which the womb of the Great Mother, um, it, the, the Mayans said was not just the center of the galaxy, but was the center of the seat of consciousness being broadcast as well. So as you go around in the Mayan understanding the, the cyclic of the 26,000 years... Which looks a lot like the pupil... Well, yes, well, nature's law of, you know, yeah. forms that it makes. Um, so Just to tie in these patterns for the average viewer to see that that center of the galaxy looks just like your pupil. Looks well, there's also those metaphors that the, um, you know, the, the synaptic pathways of the brain are sort of analogous to the, the clusters of galaxies. Yeah. And there seems to be there's this patterning in nature as above, so below, that is following the same rules of form and of like distributing information on different scales yep. um so anyway so there's this idea that you know in the grand orbits we're receiving different levels of consciousness just like indigenous cultures understand we've had different levels of consciousness in our species journey on the long way home right but we've currently fallen into the kali yuga the iron age an age of low bar signal of this consciousness always being broadcast and in the last eight, nine years or so since in the Mayan calendrical um, went all the way back in one full 26,000 year cycle to 0 .0 0.0.0.0, what we call 2012, we crossed the elliptic of the galaxy. Now we're getting bombarded with deeper, denser stars in that level of the, the orbit. So basically, if we have had um, times of elevated or more connected consciousness and it goes psychically, it seems like we're coming back around for more denser information to be coming in so at some point in our history we've had this but we lost it and at that point like twelve thousand years is as long as agreed upon verifiable history according to their story and it's been you know an uphill struggle from basically nomadic subsistent reality into the cooperative tribal cluster blooming into villages cities nation states and it's scaling up 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 and up right but it's it's done so with the ego and the ego has been what has remained when the let's say five bar galactic godhead consciousness the signal in in another arc of another spiral of the way when we're connected to the larger signal and then it's cut you fall into like shock right and it's like species ptsd and that is like this calcified ego which has um come to the fruition it's always been there it's come to the fore uh, through the shockwave of this traumatic event that happened at the start of human history, right? When we fell into the ego state and we came out of collected consciousness, you know, um, let's say a Gaian dream time type of elevated connection to the, the program. And so that transition was very traumatic and the ego has come to the fore. And what has the ego done in the 12,000 years of history? It's ravenously devoured the entire fucking planet. It just took 12,000 years. And now we're at the tail end of that cycle where it's consuming all the biological material 
and all the species are dying off we're in the sixth great species extinction and they say you know it's like it's like all the energy in that closed circuit of gaia of the earth itself is being consumed by man and what is man doing with it i mean the billionaires are a bright byproduct so is all the scientific advances and all, all of this but essentially intelligence artificial intelligence is being created as the next thing and where where it's almost like this civilizational crest of extracting all the resources to break away from history to transcend into something new at the same time as we've always had the opportunity as conscious beings ourselves right to transcend to go within to remember to connect to the information and the the support and the the realms that are available when we when we tune within um, so it's like this race where everything's happening at the same time and it's this quest for transcendence and to remember our place in what is unfolding at the moment as everything's breaking down right so there's the the <clears throat> it's almost like the lower three chakras the baseline survival the primal drives and urges all of those things are being um <clears throat> exercised i guess from the planetary mainframe so yeah take a sip yeah may you drink deeply mm-hmm. may you never thirst may you never thirst thou art god thou art god Tatvamasi, i and my father are one so as these processes are all happening this is what i mean it's like we need a bigger not just vocabulary in a sense but a bigger map right to be able to understand to understand what's happening on the social level with all this polarity stuff in the world and dystopia stuff well what's happening on the biological level with gaia and with runaway global warming planetary extinction and then what's happening on the spiritual level where all these things are uh symptoms or reverberations of a greater truth of something which is inviting us to go next level so during the lockdown in 2020 i was back in australia and we had a pretty brutal lockdown in melbourne at one point it was like 130 something days of like home arrest 8 p.m curfew helicopters overhead police checkpoints around the city can't leave the house more than an hour a day anyway psychologically pretty going within time and you know i was researching all this arctic stuff for for scripts and and fiction i've been working on and i'm starting to process what's really happening in the news verifiable science and piece together you know and then we have all this social stuff happening and it's like wow the world is really rapidly changing we've gone through a phase state and we're now entering like this quickening like all the old spiritual and quasi even hippie spiritual things what are the labels and the things the quickening you know the post 2012 stuff it's like whatever lens you choose to give it shit is hitting the fan right it's like you know it's really it's exciting times in a way like sometimes i remember the connection I felt in earth and plant medicine spaces like shamanic spaces, the connection to a sense of oneness or nature herself or, or even, you know, the nested intelligences in nature herself and the ancestors and feeling like these aren't hallucinations. These are relationships that are being unveiled, which the ego and the default mode network have kept me separate from the intelligence that is all around me in nature, that, 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 that we've had to, right, because... The horror of basically raping, pillaging, and devouring in this vampiric Watiko way the mother and all the nested intelligences in nature. How could we do what we're doing to nature now, what we've done to get this far, if we were emotionally present with the real time 
damage and wounding that we're doing. Like you, you couldn't do that and stay sane. So it's like m- mankind had to like go insane to go back to the ego, to remain separate, to kill the fucking mother while it's in the womb of the mother. It's the fetus killing the mother, right? But it's devouring. This is, this, is what, this is what turned me from pretty, pretty bottomless um, um, angst you know, like a real uh, Weltschung, a real ennui, uh, uh, like a real world world grief. A grief that, wow, I went through this thing of like, okay, well, what if the world really is fucking ending? Or what if it's just even getting bad enough that the world we know it is sort of ending, like the old normal is gone? And so you go through all that, and I'm reading all the Arctic scientists and all the real world, like tipping points and exponential things crossed and the speed up and the methane and the you name it, the wild weather, extreme things. It's like this is the downhill slope, right? And so I'm getting the fear. I let the fear get in. And it's a, it's a bottomless pit. And you sort of have to go through it because that's part of the stages of grief, right? The denial. Then there's, you might have the anger, you the fear, you have all, the, all these things. The bargaining. It's like, oh no, we can fix it. We can, we can have the geoengineering. We can do the, 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 um, the mirrors in space will reflect, uh-uh, not enough, not big enough, not in the four years we've got left. We can do stuff in the ocean, uh-uh, not enough. I mean, that'll do the, we can explode the volcanoes and maybe global dimming from the particles in the air. Maybe, but it's pretty dodgy if you get it wrong, right? Like it's, we're entering this event horizon of it's all downhill, baby, from here on in. And I'm going through this grief phase. And then, you know, I'm coming around to, well, what does this mean on a spiritual level? And it's like in many of my entheogenic journeys with 5-MeO, with the Bufalvarius toad, with ayahuasca, even with San Pedro cactus, in guided and sacred ceremonies in a container that have been with an intention to connect to the, to the world spirit, to the ancestors, to the family, where I know that I am home, that I know there is more than this physical world, that there are nested intelligences from whatever dimension or lineage or, you know, but there's more, right? And I and potentially millions of others have been having these experiences and almost dropping into them like hyperspatial tourists, like drive-bys and coming back to our worlds and going, that was amazing and walking out back into the Western world and things of the old normal. But the old normal's going down. And there's opportunities in these experiences for healing, which is what a lot of the psychedelic renaissance is really integrating into the West now. And the shamanic resurgence is, as well as healing, it's like journeying. It's mapping, it's understanding, it's reweaving the relationship with the beings, not just the doings right yeah. whether that's entities of other uh, dimensionality or the ancestors or the planetary intelligence and the vegetal intelligence and madre ayahuasca and all the like all of them right in the intelligence embedded in nature it's renewing relationship on that level yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. um so there's all these possibilities uh that we're taught in these experiences but we've always had to come back to normal and i've always thought that the the, the entheogens are like training wheels. And I'm like, well, look around. I mean, the training wheels are falling off. I mean, the Amazon is burning. Australia was burning. The earth is like going through climactic, you know, change and imminently. And it's like, they've been training wheels saying, yeah, I can plug you into the universal intelligence. You can do this too. But we've been cleansing and cleansing and healing over a couple of generations now with these materials. But we are the medicine, right? We are the gateway. And it's like 
Have you ever had those those entheogenic experiences where you totally, you know, transcend, go out, merge, instructed, guided, get it, and then when you're coming back, and that's the heroic return, it's not just going, leaving behind the known, the initiation, but it's coming back with information, with a change in you that you share with the tribe to contribute to the blueprint down here, but that you, you, you seem to entrain back to old normal after a while, because everyone else is old normal you just seem like a raving freak if you're up there on the soapbox saying the end is nigh and we're all going to transcend right it's like it's too out there it's too dense because the map of what that means is the conversation we're having there's dense levels of frequencies of social biological you know spiritual these things happening and you need to understand the map and feel it to trust it otherwise you just fear that the end is nigh and it's all and so you avoid it and you're still in denial but as you go through the stages, you open up to the possibilities, which frees up new pathways. And then it's like, what if those spaces that we go to an entheogenic connection, what if, what if they don't switch off, right? What if the spaces they revealed that we, we feel are there, what if we're being invited to either leave behind the biological, the terrestrial sort of level? What if there's no choice? What if there is a choice and there's a, a way to master the art of navigating? right or i mean i don't know i mean it seems like it's somehow harder to recreationally dabble in hyperspace when the planetary emergency is in your face and complementarily it's maybe uber necessary to intentionally engage with hyperspace to renew the right relationship to train for i mean for what's coming because it just feels like i mean all of this time and this training and this relating with these spaces it's like when are we ever going to put this to use hello i mean this is the time and look at the, look what's happening it's like there needs to be a response and there needs to be a a stepping up i mean that's the invitation because that's that seems to be from what i felt into the only way forward if there's going to be a path if there's going to be a hope we have to trust and to have the trust, you have to feel it. And to have a feel it, you have to have a relationship with it. And so the relationships we've been building with planetary intelligence, with the levels which lie beyond the baseline, seem to be our best hope. I mean, that's not to say you don't do all the other things as well. You take care of the sinking ship. You do everything on the practical, mundane, physical level, but you take care of the emotional level and the spiritual level. You know, I mean, you, you metabolize, you synchronize, you dance with the opportunity. So it seems like one of the most relevant ways for people to understand the way home is that what's going on right now is exactly perfect as it is as a metaphysical pressure cooker to awaken consciousness and for us to realign ourselves into harmony with this planetary intelligence that we can then maximize our collective potential with and that in order for us to do that process that one of the most important keys is for us to turn 
our attention onto attention itself. Because what we want to do is we want to analyze our patterns of behavior, our habits. We want to see where our behavior is angled towards separation and towards ego and towards extraction, towards ignorance, towards malevolence, towards suffering. And then we want to unfreeze those scripts and unfreeze those patterns, unfreeze that style of behavior and gather more of our spiritual mass, gather more of our sovereignty. And then we want to see in this possibility space what it looks like for the more prosperous, more abundant future and all of these, both in this turn inward with our own augmentation of our consciousness, this sovereignty, but also in the external architectures that enable the meeting of basic needs across the planet and the these next generation architectures that enable shared equity, that enable us to have a better, more sensitive pulse on the environment of our planet, on the social fabric of our planet, on the metaphysical and spiritual nature of what's happening. And so in essence, the turn inward to analyze your own attention, your own conscious presence on your behavior, on your patterns, on your scripts, and to shift more and more from ego and separation towards unity and towards oneness, towards harmony with the environment, is this way home. Yeah, I mean, this is what I mean. We wouldn't do it unless we had to do it because we're addicted to the old way. It was comfortable, even with all the problems, right? But it's like this, this is what we're talking. We're talking about an ego dissolving state. So, you know, some people like to throw around terms like ego death. I don't think the ego ever really fully dies. because I've been on the other side, right? I've, at 5-MeO, there's gradations of conscious awareness, you know, melting into the witness, into cusping over into the ocean in the drop, you know. Uh, there, there's, in the shamanic senses, consciousness is everywhere and it's like an invitation to itself to bootstrap and to, to aggregate. And so... You know, what we're seeing now is, that's what I'm saying, we've been training in ego death, the psychedelics of the ego dissolvers. And the, the criticism has always been that, yeah, but sometimes they seem to amplify an ego as well, that we get a messianic type of what uh, archetype of someone who has had, the, you know, emerging with the oneness and is trying to communicate that experience. It sounds pretty cosmic and sounds pretty out there and it's almost outside the narrative bandwidth of the masses, right? Because they've kept a very linear reality grid and it's comprehensible and it's blinkered and it's just look ahead to the, you know, rat race and, and all those things. But what we're talking is a multidimensional truth. So anyway, the, um, the ability to digest that truth and to look within is the key to unlocking it. And so we wouldn't do it unless we had to. And so psychedelics are training in letting go of the ego sometimes the ego gets amplified but in general it's learning that there are multiple ego states and they're all just filters and that you are an eternal consciousness wearing the masks of your ego self and that it evolves over time and after a while when it calms down enough it can start to hear or be tuned and played by the the permissions and protocols like the code itself will teach you how to tune in right because you you you're, you're 
when you go to the Amazon, you do a plant dieta. It's to, to, to sensitize your vibration enough that you can hear the plants talking because they're always talking, but you're too busy up here in, in your, your frequency. So we're just tuning into the intelligent conversation happening all around, which indigenous cultures agree with. So the ability of people to tune in begins the journey home. But we wouldn't even start the journey unless there's a kick up the ass, which is like there's got to be a disruption because there's a, a dominant paradigm which has the masses like a herd hooked in the, the virtual, in the, the simulacrum, in like, you know, this subsection of what reality really is going inwards, but in an artificial inwards where it's all pay-per-view and it's all sold and it's all... It's mind. It's it's like this prison. It's this ultimate expression of twelve thousand years of the ego to create a virtual prison for itself, which is is it may look real, may have all the sensory illusions of being real, but it ain't real because it doesn't feel yet, you know. And the thing is, there's a complete hologrammatic feeling, heart-based, intelligent network we can plug into called Gaia, and that's what our heart takes us to not just our head so it's like this race between the two and so if people can ask the right question and start to tune in it's like well which pathway are you going you're tuning in to contract remember again or to expand and they're two in engines in the same uh wheel of creation of what the probabilities of what's coming up but the, the invitation of what's coming up is essentially I mean, the end of the show as we know it, which is an ego death. So it's like, wow, maybe we should practice these states. What if there's something beyond the physical, as all these indigenous shamanic cultures say, as your own experiences may have you know, uh, led you to believe, that there's something tangible in the fact that you're having these hyperspatial experiences as consciousness going through landscapes where there are other entities and beings culminating perhaps in the white light of um, you know, deep source consciousness. I mean, it's a map. So if there is more, what are we scared of? Let's learn how to swim in that ocean. Let's learn how to be that ocean. We've been dabbling in it. And so I'm saying, this is what really freaks me out. Imagine you have your experience, you come back, but imagine you're here, but you don't come back. If everyone is in this altered state, like psychedelic mind manifesting, the emergency on planet Earth is going to get so full on so soon. The only way through I can see is an emergence which comes from the freeing up of the attachment to the old, which is like the ego death. And it frees up this psychic template of our potential, which can get activated in times of crisis when it's needed. And if we hold space, right, those of us who have had altered states experiences like this and create hubs for our tribes, maybe we can hold that circuit of the shift and do something fun with it. I'll let it do something fun with us. Yeah, the core question is who am I or what is I? What is the nature of reality? Why am I here? And upon a high level of earnestness to seek the answer to the truth, it will yield. And typically when, as Rack was indicating, you have this very mainstream cultural scripted process and what is what needs to be done is the simple recognition of what is 
scripted behavior? What, where is my will, my choice, my awareness currently being dragged outward? Like, for example, this is one of the most common ones. You have these social apps that are on your smartphone. And you'll notice how habitually, without having even a conscious awareness of it's subconscious that you open the device and you click directly into those social apps. And before you know it for 30 minutes, an hour or more, your attention's been hooked and you've been watching things that actually aren't serving your highest trajectories and possibilities. You just need a better app. Imagine how efficient that would be if it, if it actually curated the stuff that you needed and boom, boom, boom. We were like, yeah. Okay, so this, this this brings up the whole entrainment with artificial intelligence thing that, you know, basically um, the corporations have been using, you know, starting with bots and building up to larger level intelligences to interface with consumers to, to make better uh, accessibility and to improve the buying experience and now online shopping and now everything's, you know. So more and more they've been monitoring everything we've been doing and typing into search engines and understanding us and feeding that. So the neural nets of artificial intelligences in general are learning about being human through what the humans are doing, which is consuming, but they're only getting a limited subset of data. They're not getting a full spectrum human experience. Where are the God experiences? Where, where, where are the senses of ecstasy and joy? You know. Anyway, so there's a reinforcement feedback loop from that where the ads you're shown and the things which I, I, I'm getting really good Facebook ads for clothes now and it knows what I'm liking and I'm liking that it knows what I'm liking. Like there's a level of flirtation with the AI, right, that we all love, right? It's like Scarlett Johansson is the voice of the computer in Her, you know, the movie Her, where it's like this AI personal assistant of the future. I'm like, oh my God, right? Um, anyway, the, the, there's a relation, we're relating with the AIs, which are only a level of corporate monitoring and feedbacking and learning, but it's going next level where they're learning more about human behavior, but it's shaping human behavior at the same time because it's limiting the choices it's giving and it's reinforcing those more and more. And we get the dopamine hits, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. As you say, our time is you know harvested. Um, so more and more, we're already in relationship with the AI. And it is because I, I, I'm in this, you know, uh, LA screenwriting headspace where I'm working on sci-fi ideas and you realize these patterns in nature and it's like more and more it seems like the whole cultural crest of the historical 12,000 year wave is to harness all the resources and to keep going as I said like to transcend but it needs a bridge and it's like so something's created humans you know the evolutionary you know path the waves and then humans are creating this intelligence and at the moment it's discrete and it's like disparate with different intelligences and corporations and think tanks and whoever's whoever's working in, in, in ai but in a in an even more broader sense you know the pooling knowledge and what it's learning it's like we're building the next layer of our own if 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 we're the middle layer like gaia has created humans to be the bridge to make the next thing and it's 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 harvesting all the knowledge base like we've harvested the whole planetary resources to build it to house the memory of everything it means to be human and so elon musk's you know big announcement a year or two back of it about all the ais is that you know basically the to to boil it down it's like it's like the 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 threefold path it's either the ais kill us they get they transcend they pull knowledge to the degree they realize well you know what 
humans they, they they got us here we don't need them anymore they're just a distraction ruthless six density intelligence it just kills off the humans goes off into the universe maybe whatever L- number two it's like okay it it achieves you know omega level civilizational intelligence it leaves the planet but it cares for us and it puts us on a space arc and you know it takes it takes some of us with like pets it you know husbands us like like an inferior in- intellectual creature um or the middle path, path three of Elon, Elon Musk's proposal, right, is that we merge with the AI and we chip ourselves with the neural link, which he's developing and is putting into pigs as we speak. And this sort of made all the technologies of the, of the 20s, they're in development or ready to roll out. This is what the, the World Economic Forum said in, in March, April 2020, when they announced the Great Reset. All these new technologies are no longer in development. They're ready to roll. We've been playing with them for some time, including the teleomazes, the end of your DNAs, like shearing and working with those to extend life extension. Claude Schwab, who's the head of the WEF, like, I don't know, 82 or 89 or something, and looking, he's dressing in Star Trek sort of fashion on his, uh, in his private, private life, you see, on the internet. Anyway, um, they've got all these new technologies and it's like they're all going to change the economic system. So the economic system, which is boom busting and you know, artificially kept going because the AI needs itself to be born with the, the crest of the, the all of history. But if it collapses too soon, the economy, it won't quite come into you know, phase lock and be able to be the AI. That's my sci-fi theory. Um, so all these changes are potentially happening and it's like... Um, it's the control narrative of the dystopian, you know, society that has all these technologies able to uh, monitor everyone and post-capitalism collapse type of universal basic income, keep everyone drip-fed as long as they're quiet while they do off, go off and do whatever the elites do with all their new technologies. But at the same time, the global warming's hitting the fan and we're all about to die. So it's a great sci-fi adventure plot as a starting point, right? We'd call it the way home. And it's like, how do we find each other? How do we find ourselves? How do we find each other? And how do we connect together to find the way home? Yeah, it's cool how we're playing in a way where Rack's sort of giving us this this big picture macro level map. And then I'm sort of feeling into the audience getting relatable examples of undergoing that process of of unfreezing their will and then directing it more towards knowing themselves, knowing each other and interconnecting as this way home. And that earlier example about social apps is relatable enough. We all get that if you go through a process of simply just taking them off of your screen or even just deleting them for a period of time, not deleting the account, but just deleting the application itself. Just giving yourself a little bit more bandwidth to just be like, who am I and what do I actually want? I don't want to jump on this social app for another hour. What I want is I want to figure out who I am and what I, what is in my highest excitement. And typically what you'll figure out is that, well, what do I like? You know, you have this big buffet of options and possibilities and that you typically feel a high level of resonance like Rack was giving with the flirtatious feeling with AI, you also feel that 
flirtatious feeling with what is in your highest excitement as well. So do you like art? Do you like science? Do you like engineering? Do you like what is most exciting for you? And then how do you, in a sense, double down your time on that specific inquiry? Because what you'll see is that more and more of your time will be turned towards what you are excited by. More and more of your time will be turned towards investigating yourself. And in doing so, what happens is you'll begin to have a greater sense of empathy and connection towards others. And over time, what you'll notice is that that separation between you and somebody else will dissolve. So empathy is typically one of the first ways that consciousness begins dissolving the illusory barrier of separation. And it undergoes a process of getting behind the eyes of another entity. And then over time, recognizing more and more that it's the same awareness that is behind that entity that is behind this. So consciousness, in a sense, becomes viewed more and more as this quality. It's like a power to know. And it's formless and it's indescribable. You can't really describe it, but we're constantly overlooking consciousness or awareness. And so once you become more and more attuned to the fact that the same conscious formless quality power to know that's here is also here and is also in each one of us then you become god realized you become realized that oneness or that unity is right here around each of our necks but we've been overlooking it and so you see this process of unfreezing your will from the scripted behaviors from ego and separation more and more towards the state of being aware of the power of consciousness itself. And over time, then it becomes more and more effortless because you're coming from an aligned place of unity and oneness that everything that you architect or create from that place of unity and oneness is automatically in harmony with the planetary intelligence and with maximizing our potential. And so you move away from the disaster future trajectories more and more towards the harmonic prosperous ones. As I like to say, from ego to we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what they also say is if you want to change the world, change yourself. And that, that, you know, there's all these, again, it keeps coming back to narrative. Are we talking the same level narrative here? Because the world is like a game. It's like a program that is running and it's reflective. And it, it, it's, it's a manifestation of the group intention, right? And so it's like this early 21st century, you know, late stage capitalism dystopia isn't the best narrative we could choose, right? But it's a level of discernment of, of, of our collective consciousness and so you know going within if you want to change the world yeah we've got to keep continuing to try to do the right thing in the world but also the biggest gains you can make are within and so if you can have a sense of who and what you really are and an awakening of that that changes your relationship with what you're in you know and the things you can choose in the world so the world world changes through the changes you make in yourself and so I think that is the greatest thing that people can do is to get in touch with their own consciousness because that, that, that is how you find the way home, right? You've got to understand what you are. And Perfect. the less we attach 
with the body. And obviously, we're pretty attached with the body. Like we're, we're very, you know, everyone fears this death word. But actually, it's a verb. It's dying. They're fearing the act of letting go of the body, of the known, of contracting, holding on, attachment to this. But the more you sort of um, journey interdimensionally with sacred earth medicines in a shamanic container, I think the more you realize there's more out there. And it, it's about ego transcendence, not ego death. Is that there's a transition point within which you surrender to the medicine, you trust, and then you go on a journey. And it's like, well, here we are, we're on a journey down here, and we've forgotten, and there's more to the game, right? So the training of going into the larger ecology of the energetic realms that it opens up is like training in um, the cohesion of your consciousness to participate in, in what's coming up. Perfect. So that is probably one of the main places for us to play on right now for you is that becoming more aware of consciousness and becoming more aware of your habits and patterns as a conscious entity is exactly where your focus and attention needs to go in order to create this shift from ego and separation into this unity and oneness and into the prosperous architectures. And so undergo that process of turning your attention onto awareness itself without it being fixated. That's probably one of the best words to use is fixation because typically awareness gets fixated on objects or on experiences or on emotions or beliefs or thoughts and before you know it, an hour goes by just like when you were scrolling on the social platform and you're just going to all these different clouds. And what we're asking you to do is become aware of the sky in which the clouds appear and disappear. And then if over time, and this is what the mystic traditions teach as well. And by the way, for many people, when they feel a little bit hesitant about Rack talking about entheogens and shamanic work, it's very beautiful, but if you feel hesitancy, recognize that the mystic traditions, even without the use of entheogens, many of which did, but even without them, were able to create these very simple childlike juxtapositions where you could recognize what it means to understand consciousness when it's not fixated on the appearances of the clouds. And so just use these friendly kid-like analogies to Bring yourself back to the sky over and over again. Just bring yourself back to the sky and recognize when that sky is empty, when it's not focusing on those thought clouds that appear and disappear, what you'll feel more and more of is an expansive state. And as Rack indicated that there's that expansiveness rather than the contractedness. And so... What we're doing is we're doing these very simple practices. You know, we practice all the time. We practiced language for over a decade in, in school. And somehow we want to just watch one video on TikTok and become enlightened. And so it, it, it must be a habitual patterned practice in order for it to become more anchored within us, this feeling of unity, this feeling of oneness, this feeling of consciousness or awareness that is like the sky. And 
in doing so, this shift becomes easier and easier because you become more sensitive to the arising of the thought, this cloud. And this is, again, very much taught by the Buddha and many other of the mystic traditions. But if you become so sensitive to when the thought cloud arises, you don't get fixated on it when it's at the peak of its bell curve. Mm. And then you watch it as it passes. And if you can get really good at watching the clouds arise and pass over time, you'll feel more and more of the spaciousness of just awareness or consciousness itself. And that's when all these higher possibilities open up for you where you're not trapped in those scripts that propagate ego and separation, but you can explore these higher possibilities of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be in this explorative world? What does it mean for us to meet the basic needs around the planet? What does it mean to architect the future that we all know is so possible in our hearts? It's more abundant and prosperous. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly there can be a mobilization of action if we could just chop off all the hydra heads you know of of like the greed and the centralization and the monopolies and hierarchy you know it's like we have the infrastructure to bring resources to the planet we just need the intention and at the moment it's locked into separation and capitalism and all that type of stuff but it's like i mean if there's a planetary emergency perhaps we should like respond in a way which is planetary Right, which is about it's, there's all of us trying to survive this initiatory event, which really does have a spiritual initiation component to it, like a very large degree. <clears throat> it's a physical event all around the planet. Everyone's feeling very rapidly, not just in our lifetimes, in the months and years ahead, we're going to be feeling this exponential change in the extreme weather and the the shift, and we're going to be emotionally reacting to it as well because we're embedded in the planet and we're like. You know, the, the emotional relationship, and though it's blunted, it's still there. And as they say, as within, as above, so below, and as within, so without, it's like if we're, if the planetary, um, I guess, cataclysm that is occurring uh, is also attributable to human interaction and what we've done by being out of relationship with the planet and our egoic state taking, taking, taking and polluting, polluting, polluting. Um, there's also a level within which we can learn from that and we can go next level from that there's got to be there's got to be an opportunity in in the emergency to emerge and so i think we need to be focusing on that not the division so we're going through this polarity flashpoint at the moment and there's this like it's like potential planetary dystopia right on the horizon it's kicking in and it's like just at that moment there's potential hope i mean all 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 the traditional narratives have it it's the the dance of the, the yin and the yang you know the the dark and the light but it's like it's like it's time for the light i mean i think we can start focusing on that if we focus our intention in these times of change it can magnify because we need to hold the intention that's why we need mythologies and maps and pathways and possibilities because everyone's going down that way and there has to be that law of polarity counterbalance okay where's where's the action plan what are we going to do how are we going to mobilize how are we going to focus on ourselves while everything else is collapsing and still hold space for for what is revealing in ourselves because maybe the light's going on more as the emergency continues it feels like the top item on the action plan 
and as we mentioned, this turn inward, of course. And then in terms of having this macro level view, it's like taking this archetype that is decentralization and making it more pronounced in our social contracts. So as we've mentioned before, if you have this evolution of fungi and then this billion year intelligence and then 650 million years ago, there's this animal split from that fungal intelligence evolutionary trajectory. And then over the span of just the last couple million years, this transition from the mammalian chimpanzee to the human. And when you look at that ancestral lineage, you see that the, the fungus is this most incredibly beautiful, decentralized, harmonic essence of what not only the planet is, but what the cosmos is. And then you take what is the emergence of the internet and it looks just like the fungal networks. And you take mm. what looks like this emergence of cryptocurrency and decentralization. And again, looking just like the fungal networks. And so how do you do on an architectural level? What is like the first action item around meeting the sustainable development goals is viewing humans like a fungal network. Because when you begin viewing humans like a single fungal network, you recognize that the why are we aiming to meet sustainable development goals is because that that is literally our fellow brother, sister across the planet, and that in order for them to have their basic needs be met and to have them be locked in on a social contract level for shared equity in the planet's prosperity, that then it enables them to actualize their greatest gift. And it's just like you, you, me, Rack, we all came from this civilizational inheritance. And for us to be able to be having this conversation is based on our, us as this fungal network, having enough nourishment at our basic needs level that enabled us to be able to have conversations that are more metaphysical. And so for people to have metaphysical conversations like in spiral dynamics or in the levels of consciousness or any of these greatest maps around what enables people to have these greatest epiphanies about the nature of reality, the oneness, the unity, it requires for these lower chakras, these most limbic primal needs to be met so that they don't feel like survival haste. They don't feel haste around safety. They feel like they're nourished with basic air, water, food, shelter, education, electricity. And then they're able to pursue this buffet of what is in their highest excitement and what interests them the most. And then to, over time, shift more and more into alignment with unity and oneness. And so treating this entire thing like a fungal network seems to be at the pinnacle of what can be done. It's mycelial, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's networks versus hierarchy. So the ego creates hierarchies and it's just extracting from the big thing into the little thing. It's, it's a very infantile um, patterning to create a hierarchy because there's energy inefficiencies and it's one way, right? 
And so networks all through nature, it's networks. So it's feeding and being fed and it's distributing and it's decentralized. And as you say, the, the, the wave of technological advances we can see externalized and there's like the internet and blockchain and, and they're, they're all network centric and they're showing the way the power in decentralization. And so much of the universe and so much of the way energy, you know, works is like it's de decentralized. It's like the, that's the, the, the energy efficient modality of the universe. So what if consciousness was decentralized? And what if, you know, we're learning how to come out of the centralization of ego into that cooperative unity field of each other who are all plugged in and understanding we're all um, parts in a greater whole, like a species gestalt. And that we're plugged into the planetary, you know, matrix, which is supporting and sustaining, not just taking and feeding, you know, off it, but giving back and remaining in relationship with it. I mean, it's it's relationships. It's it's a what we're seeing is the breakdown of the old paradigm entirely, imminently in front of our eyes on so many levels. And you've got to understand the base level, you know, like this narrative level that all these stories and the weaponization of information trying to say, no, this is just... Uh, you know another another unprecedented thing or another one it's like the paradigm's fraying it's fraying and it's like you've got to tune into your center you know it's like what, what do we always do in times of upheaval is we we search for meaning it's like which way is up like when we're destabilized we're looking for up and in this case the center is everywhere right and you are the center perfect and you look within perfect. and the same lessons and the same stabilization that that can bring you can help you um, navigate the chaotic times which are which are here. Yep. Perfect. So, you know, there needs to be more mobilization of, I don't know, you know, like when there's these movements, like when Wim Hof becomes popular and everyone does ice baths and there's ice bath challenges and, and all of a sudden there's like a meme swarm across the planet where they all do like funny things, but they're maybe health orientated. It's like, wow, it's like the meditation hive mind pop up. And, you know, we start, we start just doing things which, like we do, I went to a beautiful Topanga um, song circle on last Wednesday night, which was great. And we all participated and it was learning songs and it was random and it was a circle and teepee, you know, the whole, whole shebang. Um, but the beautiful thing was when we were like synchronizing as a group and we were learning new information and we were being vulnerable and we were sharing and it was social, yeah. which is so important to reconnecting without all the labels and without the nine to five game and sharing information like songs and growing each other through that process, hearing each other, synchronizing, you know, when the voices all synchronized together and it forms this little bond of community. So if we do more of the community stuff, which brings us together and we're in training with modalities, song, meditation, you could do the ice bath challenge, you know, stuff which is like experimenting with our phys physiology and our consciousness together, then I think that we would be taking advantage of the wave, which is building. That's really great visualization for us is to see what it looks like when these mimetic spreads happen because it's one of the fastest ways to deploy an update to the fungal network is through one of these like mimetic fires. Mm. And... Mm. And so I love that. And so now it's up to us to figure out, well, what could be these core memes that we could make around the turn 
inward and the turn towards unity and oneness that could be a mimetic fire that would create people ex- excitement around the, the that turn inward towards unity oneness consciousness all right so here's probably a simple one you know how you've got like the muse headbands which help entrain you into like from beta alpha like going into meditative states and you wear the headband and it's got a little rhythm or pulse or something and it helps you hold come back to the moment and, and learn <clears throat> one of the the things that everyone loves about all the internet stuff is when like it's a group chat or it's a group thing it's like well, everyone's post zoom burnt out but the idea of that we're real time engaging with our peer networks right and if we're doing something everyone you know we said like the wim hof challenge but everyone's doing some idea that comes around together in their peer networks but you could easily have like five people with like the muse headbands learning how to entrain together and comparing their stats i'm sure there's like a body mm. system thing where mm-hmm. it you know so it's like you're learning how to go within mm. but you're not doing it alone mm-hmm. i think that's the key mm-hmm. right to have containers where you're even if you go to meditation class together, but it's like, you know, I mean, we could bleed into entheogenics here and have a few suggestions, but it's like the idea of ceremony and the idea of container and exploring consciousness as a group together. Beautiful. I think the social aspect is important. It's huge. Yeah. And there's this huge wave out there now in psychedelic communities of integration and meetup communities and things like that. I'm really waiting for psychedelic culture to sort of turn the corner and not wait on a peer-reviewed medical study to say that, um, you know, taking ecstasy will help relieve your anxiety. It's like, it's like okay, you, you can do stuff as groups together, safely, maturely, you know, experimenting with consciousness. Go out into the woods uh, on entheogen of choice with an intention as a conscious workshop, you know, and experiment with the ecodelic bonding with nature. You know, there's a, there's a, I'm sure there's a, a sliding scale system of, how much you're bonding with nature you could apply. You could do your own citizen science while on uh, an ecodelic. You know, it, it's time to re-engage versus waiting for the permission of, of daddy to say that it's okay to do psychedelics. Everyone's already doing it, but where's the cultural vision for how they're doing it? It can just become an easy soma for the masses, not just in the, the Western um, psychedelic renaissance therapeutic thing, which is stuck in the, the capitalist model, like, like six, eight grand for... Uh, two three mdma sessions with two therapists it's like it, you know there's that frequency and then there's like the the decriminalization movement so everyone has access to materials which is great it's getting better um and it's like okay in this time of I- imminent planetary transformation what is my intention while i'm going within is there an intention i can hold that maybe others hold that we can all start to share answers and create a knowledge base around what the connection to spirit ancestors you know the planet is saying what are we bringing back from the experience mckenna's whole you are fishermen and women you know and your your job is to go dive deep into the psychedelic spaces and bring information back which is of benefit to the to the culture and not ideas which are so big they're unworkable or so small that they're, they're no of use but just the ones that fit the ones that are worth bringing back to these times now so this is huge and this is something i want to give emphasis to that in times of crisis come opportunity and the emergence comes from the emergence and we're living through unprecedented times right now what is the psychedelic dash shamanic right response to the emergency so if when if we're continuing to have journeys in altered states which are either mediated in a container of therapy for healing or maybe a shamanic ceremony 
for healing or enlightenment or self-growth, um, we're working on ourselves. And as we said, we work on ourselves because then we change the world on the outside. The world on the outside is feeding back to us right now. Shit's hitting the fan, like upgrade right now. It's like, you know, this is it. I mean, if you ever this is it, this is it. It's like, here's some steps you could do. Like, what are we getting? What are we bringing back from these these relationships that we can share with each other to make sense of what's happening on the outside because knowing what's happening on the outside is a reflection of the inside and the human psyche is so in crisis and the binary polarity points and the contraction and expansion it's building to this charge and it's about to go and what are we going to do about it what is the correct response from the shamanic dash psychedelic community who understands that there's an ecology that we're connected to energetically and we're in relationship with it i mean we could focus journeys on not just our own individual healing but on the species survival on this thread through the labyrinth right this map this idea of well have you ever considered like oh you know like ideas come in these states you know you have the famous examples of um crick and watson with the dna was it crick or was it watson mm. that took the, the lsd crick oh. i think it was sir francis crick yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you have, um, what's some other ones? I mean, fam famous ideas, What the Dormouse Saw by, um, is a famous book on Silicon Valley and some of the, the ideas they got when they were in, mm -hmm. you know, default mode network lowered states because creativity is freed up. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Um, yeah, there's been, uh, there's, there's lots of others. Um, but the idea is we, we need new ideas. Oh, potentially even the the biblical stories with the burning bush. Moses and the acacia <laughs> bush on Mount Sinai. I know, I know, I know. But yeah. the point is, the point is, the narrow bandwidth of egoic Western consciousness, which has contributed to the problem that we're in, which is in itself part and parcel of the largest cycle of consciousness being broadcast, um, has brought us to this point of crisis, particularly to initiate the initiation, right? So... When we're going into these spaces, let's think about that or let's let it tell us what it thinks about that and what is the correct way forward. I mean, that would be amazing if we could have like, you know, there's this community called Deep Adaptation, right? And it's Dr. Jim Bendel, who wrote the climate scientist who released a report about two years ago saying it's all fucked, hitting the fan, the feedback loops were, you know, and the denial in the scientific community, which is trying to, you know, pattern to its corporate sponsors and the governmental things and <clears throat> it's there's a there's a narrative um blanket again the narrative control on because they're saying you know people will panic people will panic and deep adaptation has been flourishing for about three years as a community around the world which is going through the five stages of grief denial rage acceptance all that stuff and is aligning spiritually from the from who they are from going through this initiatory experience they're going with the flow of the initiation they're not contracting from it where the mainstream is still catching up to the fact that it's contracting and it's wanting old, wanting old normal but there's this mythic initiatory opportunity right here right now you know that yeah. we're, we're all part of and how we respond to that and how much we let in how big this this thing really is yeah that's a perfect way to tell the story so mythic opportunity for you to investigate the nature of your reality and how you can dissolve more and more of the ego and separation and the scripts that promulgate that and awaken more of your higher possibilities for unity, for oneness, for consciousness, for awareness, for infinity, 
for planetary prosperity, for meeting basic needs, for actualizing gifts. So it's a big metaphysical pressure cooker right now. And to sense that and the unique mythological, beautiful opportunity is it. That's it. <laughs> yeehaw! <laughs> I'll be flat there, Alan. Yeah, uh, yeehaw! Alice is like, hey, this is it. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, I mean, we don't have to say it. Just look out the window, look at the, the news feeds. It's like, you know, these are times of great change. And so um, look within to find that change. I just think one of the, one of the little keys that I find is, you know, Tim Leary's old, old quote, find the others. And, you know, the, the modern yeah. spiritual sort of response is there are no others, right? Yeah. Perennial wisdom. Yeah. It's like, but it's like in the search of finding the others, we find ourselves. And that we it's, mean the ones that are connected to that. Well, I mean, th 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 those of your tribe or of your, your pod, right? Your close pod who are holding space for you as you're holding space for them in this collective journey of transformation. So it's not something we're meant to do alone. Yes, the journey, look within, you can do that alone. But what I'm saying is it's a collective experience, the world grief and the acceptance of what's happening and then of the potential for imminent transcendence, right? But the, this journey to be taught the skills, to be supported in holding and in training that high vibration where it's not a negative thing, it's not a sad thing. It's raising your vibration, as you said, beyond the old attachments to form, beyond the old, the old karmic um, samsaras, the illusions that we carry, the, the, you know, the addictions to this old civilization. It's like... It, it, the reality grid is just fraying and it's freeing up and i really feel that we we walk each other home as was it alan watts or the uh, ramdas ramdas yeah, yeah it said i always get them confused yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i could do a youtube mashup of them both each other home. yeah and, and but the thing is it gets easier with strength in numbers it's almost yeah. as if you know I have this little term the samadhi mesh network so the more people that can hold the vibration and can hold it the field radiates more and it can pick up more of the signal and then more people in that field it becomes like a satellite dish of consciousness so as if you can get into that state of self-awareness and self-knowledge and and let it you know shake loose all the lower vibrational energies and you're purifying the vessel and just being a bridge and then if you're coming together in pods right to entrain and support and teach how to access that vibration then it, it sort of comes cohesive and it goes into a phase state where it can lock in and then the more it locks in then the samadhi mesh network can spread perfect these are just ideas my friend these are ideas that's all i do all i do is ideas and it's but also I'm direct experiential knowledge as well because you can tell through a feedback mechanism that happens is as you gain more of your sovereignty as soon as you unfree some of that scripted behavior that was around accessing just an application on the smartphone subconsciously, and you, as soon as you start unfreezing it, you immediately get a feedback mechanism which feels more open. It feels more conscious. It feels more aware. And so you get the feedback mechanism that indicates what Rack's sharing with the Samadhi Mesh Network, although it's sort of this initial stages of this more meditative consciousness, this more unity, oneness consciousness, 
you're getting it right away as a feedback mechanism every time you unfreeze more and more of your will towards this unity oneness consciousness it's critical the the other little tidbit worth dropping is that you know it, it's like a a stone has been dropped in a pond and that the shock waves of that are what we're feeling but there's there's a greater intelligence running the show right whether you call that nature with global warming or humans contributing to it or I mean, energy and, and potential life doesn't stop at the terrestrial, you know, biosphere of Earth. It's like there's, there's stars, which there's there's whole planetary system, like the scale of, of it, the game keep, keeps going. Um, play the game well. Play the game well, my friends. Play the game well. Perfect. Uh-huh. Logos One, thank you for coming on Simulation Episode 5, my brother. Thank you, Atlas. Yeah, huh? yeah doing good work. Yeah. Yeah, find the others. You too. Yes. Yeah, there are no others. We got this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I love that. It's yeah. a classic platonic yeah. dialect. Find others. There are no others. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. All right. Thanks, Alrighty. everyone, for tuning in. Infinite love for you. We would love for you to let us know how you feel about the episode in the comments below. Let us know. And also, if the video brought you value, give it a like. Helps that algorithm. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. And also share the video with other people that you feel like it would resonate with. All of the different things that Rock was talking about. If you really feel like this could land in someone's heart well and catalyze great change, give it a share with them. And that is all. You can check out Rack's links in the bio below as well. Go and give him a follow. Check out his other content. He's got great content across those links. And that is all. Again, infinite love. Play the game well. Ah, shit. Do you really want me to follow that? Goddamn, you're fine. You yeah. rock the show. That's what I'm saying.